And we're talking all about Rosh Hashanah coming up on Tuesday. Correct. And you can actually get on the More Music app later. You can get on our website. You can read through all of the notes. You can listen back. It's going to be on the podcast. So all of these clips, every time that you hear our general manager on air, you can count later that day. Get on the app. You can share that with somebody and, you know, listen back and get all your questions answered right there. Hopefully so. Now, we're talking about multiple things. We talked about the day. It's known as the Feast of Trumpets or Yom Tzruh, which is a day of shouting, blasting. Uh, it's a noise. It's an alarm. They use the shofar uh, to proclaim 100 times. But you can use your mouth. You can sound. You praise. You can worship. You can do a whole lot of things to declare uh, just that uh, glory is is teruah. So uh, we have uh, so many ways to engage ourselves in Rosh Hashanah. It's also it took some time to kind of look at 57. Uh, 82, the year we're going into on Tuesday, and talk about the prophetic aspects of what we might look at. And last of all, certainly not least of all, it's the, I, I believe that Rosh Hashanah was the day, the birthday of uh, Jesus, the, our Messiah. So I'm going to run that back all the way through the beginning of time to just kind of show you where that thought comes from. So I talked about the timelessness of the gospel. Now, talked a little bit about the prophecy that God wrote in the stars beginning on day four that actually tells the whole gospel story that those who came before Jesus would know what to expect. Uh, Revelation 13.8 identifies Jesus as the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So that was this week, right? We're in day two right now. So meaning from day one to six, uh, he was slain sometime in there in some sense of the word. Now, obviously, physically, he wouldn't have been slain for 4,000 years, but somehow from the spiritual or some essence, they're, they're happening right then from creation. So let's track back to day four when Jesus created the sun, moon, stars, and time. Genesis 1:14. then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Now, the translation they use there, seasons, that's really not a good choice. You could make it months. That would be a little more accurate. The word translated there is moed. It means appointed times. These are very specific, and they only speak of, uh, of one thing. It, it doesn't mean the four seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. Uh, months works because the phrase appointed time is used only for the feasts, only for the feasts, uh, and there's seven of those. So they were determined by the new moon each month. Uh, so the biblical months were all part of that. So you can get away with saying for signs and months, that would certainly at least imply the better sense than season says. You may be familiar with the word zodiac. It's often associated with astrology. Uh, unfortunately, astrology is, uh, well, Basically, it's bad in, in every sense, but it says a man can tell something about himself from the stars. Okay, so that's just not true. Uh, the Bible says that the stars tell us something about God and his plan for the world. That's what the Bible tells us. It condemns everything about astrology. That's occultism because God created us and he alone sets our destiny. Now, astrology tried to corrupt the story by changing the characters into these mythological deities with silly stories. But the real story of the stars was written by God himself. It's the gospel of Yeshua, of Jesus Christ. Stars have a purpose. Let there be lights in the firmament to divide the day for the night, and let them be for signs and for these appointed seasons. When God was speaking with Job, he said, Can you bind 
the cluster of the Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Can you bring out Masrath, the constellations in its seasons? Or can you guide Octaurus? Do you know the ordinance of the heavens? Can you set their dominion over the earth? So according to Arabic tradition, the signs of the zodiac came originally from Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, in Eden after Adam and Eve sinned. How did God describe how he would redeem them? The story of the future Messiah, the seed of the woman, crushing the head of the serpent, Satan. One of the many ways we see Jesus as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world is when we first see death enter the world. God killed animals to clothe Adam and Eve, and we see blood sacrifices beginning soon after. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. This was also built into the design of the universe. The constellation Ara is an altar. The Milky Way usually represents the smoke rising from the altar. There's a ram and a bull constellation, a herdsman like you'd find in Bethlehem raising sacrificial animals. There's a serpent constellation to tell the Eden story. There's the great dragon we know as Satan, an eagle which is associated with prophecy. There's the dove which speaks of Noah and the flood. Several wreaths or crowns to speak of royalty and marriage. There's a cup or chalice used in the Sabbath meals, uh, Passover and the communion. There's a celestial river, which you'll find flowing from the throne of God. And of course, you have the Southern Cross. That's right. When the Bible says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world, it means several things, including that the testimony or story is written into the universe itself. The story of Jesus as Redeemer was literally written in the heavens using the constellations when they were made. And this is the ancient story. The seed Zera arrives in this sense. In May of 4 BC, during the priestly course of Abijah, the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah in the temple and foretold the conception and birth of a son to be called John, which would be John the Baptist. That's Luke chapter 1. In June, Zechariah's priestly duties were done. So they had a certain order by certain months. And since he was a Baisha, we know when that was. And so in June, he was done. And John the Baptist would have been conceived right after there. So we know John the Baptist was six months older than Jesus because Mary traveled to Judea to see her cousin Elizabeth, who was now six months pregnant. So they, they fill in all the blanks here. John was born to Zacharias and Elizabeth during Passover in the spring near March 10th, 3 BC, which means Jesus was born six months later during the fall feasts, which would, well, I believe would be September 11th of 3 BC, six months after John. Every year since 164 BC, the Jews have celebrated the cleansing of the temple by the Maccabees with an eight day festival called Hanukkah, the Feast of Lamps or Lights. Doing the math, Gabriel appeared to Mary and Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit nine months earlier than obviously Jesus would have been born, right? So that would have been in December of 4 BC during the Festival of Lights, Hanukkah, which makes sense. He was the light coming into the world. 15 months later, the Magi arrived during Hanukkah in 2 BC when we celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas. So it actually is tied in there. But both the conception of Jesus in 4 BC and the visit of the Magi in 2 BC occurred during the celebration of Hanukkah on the Jewish calendar. So we're going to start unpacking some of these things and we're going to go back up into the stars to see one of the most important prophetic pictures of the birth of Jesus and how we know when he was born.